Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this evening. Uh, thank you for all of your provision and goodness uh, and for, for your word. Uh, and that through it, you teach us uh, about, about you so that we can know you and know your son. And you teach us about your anointed king uh, and your, your shepherd and your redeemer of your people. Uh, and we thank you for him. Uh, we thank you for, for your word and pray that you'd be with us tonight and that you'd teach us and instruct us so that we'd have an eternal hope and that we'd be equipped with, with your word and with the, the good news. And I pray that uh, everything we say and think and do would be uh, to your honor and glory uh, by, by your grace. And we pray in your son's name. Amen. Well, you can go ahead and flip open to, I think we'll start with Exodus chapter 4. In the past weeks, we've been looking at Moses uh, and some of the offices uh, that God gave to him uh, as uh, his servant, as, well, as a judge, uh, as a, and we'll be seeing that tonight, Lord willing. Uh, we've already seen uh, that he's been uh, commissioned him as his prophet uh, at, the, at the burning bush uh, at Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, where he will uh, later deliver the, the people. Uh, but he's not only a prophet, but uh, a judge uh, and a priest, the mediator of the, the covenant. Uh, and uh, I think we'll even see that he's a, a king or a prince of his uh, people, uh, kind of like uh, Jehoiada, uh, the priest who died at 130, uh, and they buried him with the kings uh, in the, the day of uh, Joash. And now Moses' life, uh, as we uh, discussed last time, is framed by uh, really three sets of 40 years, but at the very beginning of his, uh, his life, after he's born uh, in Exodus chapter 2, uh, because uh, there's a evil, wicked king and pharaoh that rose up that was trying to kill uh, all of the, the baby boys of the, the Hebrew children because God blessed them and multiplied them and made them fruitful. And so the, the Egyptians began to fear them, much as the Israelites will later fear the, the people of the land. Uh, the tables were, were turned. And so he was killing uh, the, uh, the baby boys. Uh, but his mother makes a, a tev, an ark, for him and puts him in the, the Nile. And God providentially, in his governing of all things, delivers Moses uh, and saves his life from this evil and wicked king who's actually, uh, the Egyptians are descendants of, uh, of Ham and um, maybe even Canaan or uh, his son, but uh, of of Ham, and so here you have a wicked, evil offspring who are trying to kill God's people, and like Noah, uh, God delivers him by his mother making a little ark or kind of a basket with pitch and such, and you see similar language, and God delivers him at, at three months of age, and he goes to live. Uh, his mother nurses him uh, in, in God's providence uh, for the daughter of Pharaoh and. 
uh, lives as really a prince of Egypt for his first uh, 40, 40 years. Uh, and actually his whole life is framed by these, uh, these uh, flood and Noahic themes. Uh, he's delivered through an ark at the beginning of his life. But just as a God, uh, his spirit would not strive with man, but his days shall be 120 years, and you wipe all of humanity out in the flood except for eight, when Moses is 120 years, by that time, he goes up on the mountain, you'll see the land, but you won't enter. The whole first generation, besides Joshua and Caleb, could not enter into the promised land. Uh, and now, Moses was a believer, but by and large, the first generation uh, was a brood of vipers. Uh, they were sons of disobedience. Uh, they, weren't, uh, they weren't the offspring of Abraham walking in his ways, but they were an unbelieving, rebellious uh, people. And so at 120 years, they can't enter into, uh, into the land. And so from Exodus chapter 2, being of Moses' life, to Deuteronomy 34, it's all framed by these Noahic flood themes. Uh, and you'll also see this with uh, Saul reigned 40 years, David reigned 40 years, Solomon reigned 40 years. And Solomon married foreign wives, bringing false gods, uh, combining and mixing uh, the worship of Yahweh uh, and the worship of uh, Molech and Baal and, and all of these uh, false, false gods and false worship. Uh, and so the kingdom was divided. Uh, ten tribes to the north and then uh, Judah uh, remained on Simeon and perhaps Benjamin were basically apart, united with, uh, with Judah. But they were, uh, the kingdom was divided. Uh, and they no longer enjoyed the fullness of God's presence, provision, blessing, and rule in the land because they had filled it with idols. But God preserves uh, his, his promises uh, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, to David. Uh, and so Solomon wisest man who had ever lived, beloved of the Lord. Uh, he shall be as a son to me, and I shall be to him as a father. Filled the land with idols, 120 years, the kingdom was divided. And I think you see similar themes probably in, in Judges uh, is, as well. And so the fullness of the expectations and the covenants and the promises remain unfulfilled. And it's the second generation with Joshua and Caleb, uh, and your sons and daughters whom you said would be a prey in the land, I'll point Joshua, he'll take them in. Uh, and then we were seeing that, so the first 40 years, Prince of Egypt, uh, second 40 years, uh, he goes out at about the age of uh, 40, and he sees uh, an Egyptian taskmaster oppressing uh, one of his brothers identifying with his people. And so on his own, uh, apart from God, he strikes down the Egyptian, but then goes out the next day and sees two, two Hebrews, uh, or one Hebrew oppressing another, his brother, and uh, the, the man 
tells them, who, who's appointed you a prince and a judge over us? Uh, kind of ironically, because later he will be basically a prince or a royal official and a judge, but not yet. It's not God's timing. And so he goes to live as a sojourner. And it's kind of interesting where Moses states that at 430 years of sojourning, God brought them out of the land. And God said that there'd be four generations, 400 years, and then he'd, he'd bring them out. And it seems that it's after that, that time passes. But then it would be at 390 years, so uh, from the time of their sojourning, that's what God promised, speaking about the 400 years of sojourning uh, in a foreign land, uh, he said that uh, Abraham, we made his covenant in Genesis 15. But at 390 years, when Moses was 40 years old, he went out and struck down the Egyptian. But it wasn't God's timing. 400 years hadn't passed. He went out to do this in his own power, apart from God. And he goes to live as a sojourner for 40 years in Midian. And then it's only at 430 years that God commissions him to bring the people out. And then later, when they're to go into the promised land to the north, uh, the spies come back and 10 of them give a bad report, a false, false report. They, they bear false witness uh, to, to scare and terrify the people, uh, except for uh, Caleb. Uh, we were grasshoppers before them. Their towers were up to heaven. And Caleb says, uh, they're our bread, literally. We'll eat them for breakfast. <laughs> because God would, would be with them. But they then have to sojourn and wander in the wilderness for another 40 years. And so then at the 407 years, they finally enter uh, into the land. Uh, may have to do with like the, the fullness. Uh, again, uh, in God's timing, he purposed all these things that, that they come to pass in his timing. Uh, but... Uh, you see Moses going out on his own. Uh, and then the, uh, the people didn't trust in God that he would be with them and give the people into their, their hands in the land. And so uh, at 40 years then, 40 to 80, uh, he was a sojourner in Midian uh, with, uh, with Jethro or uh, Reuel, uh, the uh, priest of Midian. And he married uh, Zipporah. And had a son, Gershom. And then in chapter 4, God uh, commissions him. Or is it chapter, beginning of chapter 3 or 4? 3 is the burning bush. Exodus. And 4 is yeah, the yeah. answer what's going to happen if they won't listen to Yeah, him. yeah. Start of his, uh, his commissioning where he's shepherding the flock at, uh, for, uh, for Jethro, his father-in-law, on uh, the angel of Yahweh or the, the, the envoy of, of Yahweh appears uh, to him uh, in the, the burning bush in a theophany. Uh, in there, uh, we went through that last time. I just also want to point out that as God commissions Moses as his authoritative spokesman and, and prophet uh, to go to the people to bring them out of the land, he also gives him all of these provisions where you see that Moses, when God wasn't with him, he's ready to just 
you know, strike down this Egyptian <laughs> to, to, to deliver his Hebrew brothers. Now that God is with him, he's reluctant. You know, maybe you could send someone else. You know, his, his questions, uh, you find more and more that they really become excuses and he doesn't want God to send him. You know, now that God is going to be with him. Uh, and so <laughs> it, it shows Moses, Moses was, he was a sinner, uh, but, but he was, he was God's, God's instrument and he would, uh, he'd use him. Uh, but God also gives him all of these provisions. Uh, he gives him the promise of his presence uh, to, to be with him, uh, to be with him, uh, to be with his mouth as he speaks to the people, uh, to be with uh, his brother Aaron and his mouth, uh, where even when when Moses finally objects, God, send someone else. You know, I'm, I'm a man of uh, uh, weighty of, of speech and tongue. You know, I, I'm, I'm encumbered and can't speak. And God finally gets angry with them, but he gives them his brother and Aaron and says, I'll be with your mouth and I'll be with his mouth. Uh, you'll, you'll speak to him. Uh, you shall be his... Uh, God is God to, to Moses, and he, Moses is his prophet. Uh, you shall be as God, as Elohim to, uh, to Aaron, because he'll, he'll, be, he'll be your prophet, you know, uh, and you'll be over, over him and to speak on God's behalf as his, as his steward. Uh, but then he gives not only the promise of his presence, uh, but uh, he, he gives him his name, uh, his name uh, Yahweh, uh, and eh, Asher uh, I will be uh, who I will be. Uh, his uh, continuous, trustworthy presence uh, with his people, uh, Yahweh, uh, he will be or he, he is. Uh, he gives him uh, the staff and the signs to perform uh, before the people, uh, the staff kind of a symbol of authority uh, that he gives to, to Moses to perform uh, signs that uh, that God gives uh, to turn the staff into a serpent before the uh, the people uh, to reach into his uh, garments uh, the fold of his garments his bosom and it to become leprous and white and be changed back uh, and then to turn the water and throw it on the ground and it become uh, become blood and so uh, his presence his name uh, the staff the signs. Uh, the words he would speak, and even Aaron, his brother, uh, to speak on his uh, his behalf. God accommodates uh, to Moses even weaknesses and uh, fears and such, and gives him his brother to uh, to speak uh, on his uh, his behalf. And finally, the promise that uh, unlike unlike Moses acted toward God, that when he goes to Aaron and speaks to him. Aaron will receive him, and when he and Aaron go to the people, they'll, they'll receive them and the signs. God promised that, uh, where Moses with God was very reluctant uh, in wanting, wanting to go. And so uh, God gave him all of these, uh, his presence, his provision, his blessing and promises uh, in sending Moses as his prophet, as his authoritative spokesman, uh, so he's not going alone in his own own strength. And then I want to look at uh, go to Exodus. Actually, let's go to Genesis 17 quickly. 
I just want to read through this, and we're, we'll see this issue where we talked about it a bit, and we'll, we'll touch on it a little, little more, uh, dealing with uh, Moses uh, and the angel of Yahweh uh, about to strike down Moses, uh, and then Zipporah, his wife, circumcising his son. And so I just want to look a little more at the, the background and see how this uh, develops, uh, paying attention to uh, circumcision, which was part of God's the covenantal sign uh, to, uh, to Abraham. Uh, and really those who rejected the symbol, uh, the formal exterior outward sign didn't necessarily mean that you had a circumcised heart and that you were a believer. However, to reject the sign was pretty clear evidence that you did have an uncircumcised heart because you, you were unbelieving and you didn't believe God's promises and covenant to, uh, to Abraham. You're basically saying, I'm not, I'm not of Abraham. I'm not a sharer uh, in the, uh, the covenant uh, in the, the promises and in the blessings. It's, it's a rejection of God, his people, his covenant, and his uh, promises. And so let's just read through, beginning with uh, verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared uh, to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, uh, father of many uh, peoples. For... I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations. And kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you throughout their generations, and for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And so you have this multitude of nations, not just Israel, but you even see that even through Isaac, he makes him into peoples and uh, kings. Uh, and even, even someone like Esau and Edom, he gave him land. Uh, despite the, uh, the, the, the sinfulness and often the rebellion of the, the people, he gave them land. And, and to, even to Lot, uh, his descendants, the, the Moabites and the Ammonites. Uh, he, he gave them possessions that one day he'd make him into a multitude of nations and that through him all nations would be blessed. And, and through Israel and ultimately through, through their, uh, their head, uh, their, their ultimate judge, king, uh, priest, and uh, prophet, Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, him as the head, but they're a nation and kingdom of priests and prophets and uh, judges and, and so on. And so he's reaffirming, he's already given these promises to Abraham. He's, he's reaffirming uh, his covenant with him and giving him a symbol and sign of uh, the covenant. 
So verse 7, uh, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. So promise of, of offspring, of land, of nation, and even a multitude of, of nations. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations. I'm repeating again, he could have just kept speaking, but by saying again, and God said to Abraham, it segments it. Now we're going to look, look to the sign of this covenant uh, that he's just promised him. Uh, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring. So not of his physical offspring, but even them. They, they can join uh, the, uh, God's people. Uh, they, they can join uh, Israel, uh, Jacob, uh, the, the nation as a spiritual offspring, uh, as a, a, believing, a believing people. Uh, both, uh, verse 13, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. It's unbelief. It's, it's rejection of God's promises, uh, God's, uh, God's covenant, saying, I'm not, I'm not of God's people. I'm not of Abraham, Isaac, and uh, Jacob. It, it's just outright unbelief and rebellion. Um, yeah. I don't know Hebrew. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's a play in words. Either cut off or cut off. Well, verse 14. The foreskin yeah. cut off, and if not, the person cut off. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just me reading English. Well, some, some of it, it, it uses a couple different words, but okay. it, it'll alternate the, the words that it uses. And so you can still have a conceptual word play, sure, even when you have different word forms. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so, you, you know, you're seeing it right in English then, too. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that I think that's also that's what that what that's what almost happens to Moses later. Yeah, exactly. So yep. everybody gets cut off. You decided what way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, you're basically you're basically identifying as an offspring of evildoers, as an evil and rebellious generation uh, to reject the covenant. You know, the the people. Apart from God's grace, apart from his, his provision and promises and covenants, 
all people have sinned and rebelled and God has scattered the nations and uh, put them under the, the host of heaven. And so they're basically, by default, they're under judgment. They're in rebellion against God. And so God has to make, he has to preserve his promises, his presence, his blessing, his provision that went all the way back to creation for, for humanity and, and for the, the man and the woman and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, here he, uh, he makes covenants to preserve his blessing. And so basically, you know, sometimes they talk about like the uncircumcised and the Gentiles who by default are uncircumcised, not only of foreskin, but of heart. And so rejection of the symbol is basically to say, I'm of the wayward nations in rebellion against God. I'm not, I'm not of his people. And so uh, he has broken my covenant. Uh, and then he goes on to make uh, promises to uh, uh, Sarai and renames uh, her as well about, about Isaac. Uh, they had tried to take things into their own hands with uh, uh, Hagar and having, uh, having Ishmael. Uh, because God hadn't given her offspring, Abraham listened to the voice of his wife, uh, kind of like the man in the uh, the garden. Mm-hmm. Now let's go back to, uh, well, just at the end, look at the final, final verses. Uh, verse 22. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in his house, or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house. And he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day. As God had said to him, Abraham was 99 years old. And uh, when, uh, when he was uh, circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old. Uh, when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised, and all the men of his house, those born in the house, and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised uh, with him. And so any uh, indentured servants along the way who would uh, live along along with them, uh, they uh, they were all... Uh, if by if by faith, if uh, their inward hearts uh, reflected the outward sign, uh, they were uh, they were sharers in the the promises on the the blessing and the the covenant and even Ishmael I'll make you into many nations uh, and so uh, you even see God's faithfulness where God in or uh, Abraham, Abram as as he was called in uh, Sarai. Uh, when they didn't trust God and tried to bring about the promises in their their own power with Hagar the Egyptian and uh, Ishmael, uh, even though that brought uh, that brought enmity and hostility uh, within their their family, and had consequences that would go for centuries and millennia uh, with uh, Ishmael and his descendants in, in Israel, uh, as to this day, as the author often says. God subverts the sinfulness of man and even turns it uh, to, uh, to, to blessing to bring about his, his promises and his salvation. 
Now let's go to Exodus 4. And just uh, look at verse 17. I think, as we spoke about, I think there's probably some of like a chiastic structure uh, where you'll see that, for instance, God will give uh, instruction to to Moses, uh, and then you'll see his response. Uh, usually, he'll he'll obey it. Uh, instruction to return to Egypt and to his brothers and such. Uh, and then instruction like on what to say to Pharaoh uh, when he gets to him. You'll see uh, Abraham, or Moses' response, uh, not Abraham anymore. <laughs> Abraham uh, died and was buried with his fathers you know, long before this. Um, uh, and then you'll see Moses will go to Aaron. Uh, his instruction to Aaron, Aaron's response, obedience, and they'll go to the people. Uh, and they'll instruct the people, their obedience. But in the middle, we'll see that Moses is disobedient. And Zipporah has to make atonement for him. Uh, and that's part of also why it might seem kind of awkward at first, where God instructs him. And it seems like he's going back to Egypt, but then God instructs him again. <laughs> uh, part of its chiastic structure, uh, where uh, it'll start with uh, instruction to Moses, uh, eventually arrive at uh, Moses and Aaron going to the, the Israelites on their, uh, their response. And just like God said, he said that uh, Aaron and the people would receive him and believe, believe his word. And so God's last word to, to Moses and, uh, as he appeared at the burning bush, verse 17, and take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. Verse, verse 18, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and this echoes back all the way to his uh, uh, going out with Jethro's flocks and uh, such before God appeared to him. Uh, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, uh, please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt uh, to see whether they are still alive, uh, or think it's even whether it's well with them, or shalom. Uh, verse, uh, let's see. Verse uh, 18. Moses uh, went and returned to Jethro's father-in-law and said to him, uh, let me go uh, to my brother's. Yeah, and see if they're, they're still alive. And then Jethro said to Moses, go in peace, uh, shalom. Uh, and Yahweh said to Moses, so his instruction, uh, said to Moses in Midian, uh, east of Egypt, uh, go back to Egypt for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. So 40 years later, uh, now, uh, now at 80 years of age, around uh, 1440, 46, uh, for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And Yahweh said to Moses, 
When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says Yahweh, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. And so Israel, his people, are preeminent. Uh, They're sharers uh, in the inheritance, uh, in the promises. Uh, They're to be God's people, his stewards, his servants, And so, if you won't let my firstborn son go, I'll kill your firstborn son. And later, uh, with the Passover and the tenth plague, that's exactly what he he does. And even all the the firstborn, I think maybe even with the animals and such, but but all the way from the the lowest servant to, to the... Uh, the, the rich and officials, every, everyone in uh, up to Pharaoh and his uh, uh, his royal uh, royal officials and dynasty, and so uh, you have God's instruction again about going to to Pharaoh, and uh, here's Moses' response. I think this is probably at the uh, the center and heart of uh, this section. Uh, let's see what we're going to see Moses and his his firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, uh, Yahweh met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Then Yahweh said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And so you have this center section where you see God's instruction. You see the obedience of Moses. Uh, We'll see the instruction to Aaron through Moses, his prophet, and his obedience, and then the people. But the center, Moses' disobedience, where God has commissioned him as his authoritative prophet, to bring this people out of the land and to go to Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh to let his firstborn son go, to let Israel go, or the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Otherwise, he'll kill his firstborn. But here, Moses hasn't circumcised his son. Uh, and I don't know the practice of the Midianites. Uh, they were actually descendants of Abraham through his uh uh, he took a wife, Keturah, at the end of his life after Sarah died. I think you can uh, read that in Genesis twenty twenty-five. Uh, Midian was one of his, uh, his descendants. But here, he's basically just like the, the peoples, the wayward nations in rebellion against God. Uh, whether the Egyptians or foreign peoples, and he hasn't, he hasn't circumcised Uh, his own son. And anyone who does not circumcise his own son has broken my covenant and is to be cut off from the people. 
Uh, and so this is when Moses is to go back to the people. But going back, uh, seeing his, uh, his, his son, uh, it's as if he's, he's, not, he's not a sharer. Uh, it, he's basically, uh, he grew up with the Egyptians and such, and a uh, sojourner in Midian, and uh, he's, he's just one of the uncircumcised and uh, hasn't, hasn't been faithful uh, to, uh, to God's covenant and promises. And so uh, just look at this again. Uh, verse 24. Well, right before that, uh, he even, uh, verse 22, uh, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says Yahweh, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. And Pharaoh was killing the sons of Israel. That's what he was doing. He, he, was, he was ordering to have them killed. Yeah. At a lodging place on the way back to, to the people, to, to the Israelites, to Pharaoh, to Egypt, uh, Yahweh met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. And so Zipporah, one way or another, I don't know exactly when in his time sojourning with Jethro, uh, when they got married, uh, when he had his son. Uh, but uh, between this uh, time uh, and going back to her, uh, whether speaking with, with Moses or uh, as a descendant and such, uh, she's, she's aware of the, the covenant. She's, she's aware of what Moses has broken and violated uh, and it, he commanded that Abraham was to circumcise his son. This is something that, uh, that ultimately uh, the, I'm sure the wives too, but I mean the, the men, they, they're responsible uh, for this. And Moses surely was as a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a physical descendant, hopefully a spiritual one. And here she circumcises her son. She knows what's wrong. She circumcises him and touched it to Moses' feet. And it seems to even echo with, uh, with the high priests uh, when uh, the priest, the high priest Aaron uh, is the first high priest and his sons, uh, first Nadab and uh, Abihu and later uh, Eliezer and Phinehas. Uh, and part of the, the ritual uh, for uh, being uh, inaugurated as uh, as priest, uh, they'd take some of the blood, put it on the right lobe of the ear, put it on the uh, their uh, their their thumb. I think in Hebrew, the big finger or whatever, uh, and then on on their uh, on their big right toe. Uh, and uh, she, she touches this to him, and apparently is making blood atonement for uh, for Moses uh, for. Uh, for breaking the covenant and violating it. Uh, and she said, said uh, to him, surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. Now, it's not the first time that the Israelite boys have been delivered by women. Uh, God used the Egyptian midwives 
uh, to, uh, to deliver uh, the, uh, the sons. Uh, they refused to, uh, to kill uh, the uh, Israelite boys. Uh, he used, well, his, his mother uh, and his sister made it an ark uh, and put Moses into the, uh, the water and uh, Pharaoh's, uh, Pharaoh's daughter took him up. The daughter of Pharaoh, right under the, the nose of Pharaoh, uh, he grows up as an Egyptian prince, and uh, she even gives wages to his, un, unwittingly uh, to his uh, to his mother to nurse him. Uh, in God's uh, God's providence, and now here Zipporah uses Zipporah to make atonement for his authoritative prophet that he he has sent uh, to deliver uh, his people through him as the agent that he's uh, he's sent, and. So uh, she calls him, you are a bridegroom of blood uh, to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Uh, and we talked a little bit, circumcision. Of course, you have blood there and such. And she was, her hand was basically forced to do this, to atone for Moses, to appease God's wrath and anger against Moses for breaking his covenant. Uh, and possibly even... Moses had blood guilt on him uh, because, uh, because he, uh, he, he failed to, to do this. And so she makes atonement and God relents and doesn't, doesn't kill Moses. Because struck him dead right, right there. He'd have, to, he'd have to get a new, uh, new prophet to deliver his people. Yeah? I'm just kind of curious. Is there any reason why uh, Moses with his intimate, you know, Talking with the Lord, mm-hmm. that he didn't. Why do you think he didn't get circumcised? I mean, I don't. don't well, is there we we in scripture that tells we don't know exactly, but he has lived. I mean, besides his his mother, uh, his mother nursed him uh, as a boy, uh, very much like uh, Samuel's mother, Hannah, nursed him before uh, bringing him to the the Lord, and with uh, basically to live as a Nazarite and as a servant and priest and judge of, uh, and prophet of God, very similar to Moses. Uh, and it seems he still had connection with his family because he sends Aaron, your, his brother, you know, out, uh, out to him. So he, he still had some, some connection. But living as an Egyptian prince all these years, living as a sojourner among the Midianites, uh, they were descendants of Abraham. I, I don't know if they... Uh, if they kept uh, circumcision, that'd be an interesting study and such. But he's been living, he's been living with the Egyptians 40 years, then 40 to 80 years, living with the Midianites. And now, though, being commissioned to go back to the people, uh, to, to join the people on God's timing, uh, and now having this, uh, this, uh, this son uh, with, uh, with uh, uh, the woman whether out of just neglect uh, or a little too accustomed to be living as an Egyptian or as a, a foreigner and not as an Israelite and a, a, a Hebrew, uh, whether unintentional neglect or, you know, sins of omission, commission, as people, people talk about. Um, I don't know if it states exactly, but we're also going to be seeing uh, a similar scene uh, in Joshua, when they uh, enter into the land, that might uh, also shed shed some light. Uh, Bob. Well, 
<coughs> Assuming they kept this on the eighth day, mm -hmm. Moses would have been circumcised because he was with his parents for three months. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, but he didn't do so for his son. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very true. Yeah. And he'd even kind of have that that own witness or sign uh, in his own flesh. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's a very good point. Oh, I yeah. remember, I had to admit, when I was preaching through this, mm -hmm. um, I was doing not every single verse. Mm -hmm. I didn't deal with this passage right here because yeah. I didn't understand it. It's, it's one where you, at first when you read it, you know, there's some passages. There's some passages where you scratch your head. <laughs> so I didn't. Pre I just kind of went out. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad to hear more about it now. But part of it, it's it's the structure too. How how he kind of develops these things that yeah. that gives now, clues. I can see now. I wish I would have. Yeah. Ten years ago, the, the relationship to God's mm -hmm. calling Israel as firstborn. Yeah. Is sort of a foreshadowing. Passover, and so Moses' son needed to be ready for that. Yeah, he's basically saying, "I'm not of God's firstborn." Yeah, I, he, he's basically, he's basically with Pharaoh and the Egyptians and their sons. Very interesting. Yeah, I just think it would be applied. Oh, by the way, astute reading. If if we had coffee, you know, <laughs> maybe on Sunday, you know, I, you, use some. <laughs> I was just thinking of an application for today. Is that you know, in our society, we don't take God's word seriously, and maybe that that could have been something Moses maybe didn't take it, take that warning, <laughs> having lived so so far outside of. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to apply it to today somehow to, to like. Like the word of God is not taken seriously, and so, you know, we may be surprised someday that the judgments and the the promises and things like that in the word of God are going to actually come true. Mm -hmm. and, um, well, it shows it shows too the the importance of the sign uh, in. Okay, just just being physically circumcised or circumcising your son, in and of itself. You could have an uncircumcised heart. True. You know, it, it might it might not. Uh, uh, Eric was even preaching, talking about religious formalism uh, yeah. in in Paul's condemnation of the the Jews. If if you if you don't keep the law by by the Spirit, you know God's God's word, not as something to earn God's merit, His favor, uh, to put God under your obligation as if He owes you something, but as a believer, depending on God and trusting him uh, and by the power of his spirit, that if you're a Jew and you're uncircumcised, but you don't keep the law that, that you preach, it does you no good. Uh, then the one who's, who's circumcised of heart uh, will, will condemn you uh, because it's just, it's just an outward physical a uh, physical uh, symbol. However, to reject the sign, it's it's unbelief. It's it's rejection. It's kind of like with with baptism. Yeah. Just being physically baptized won't save you. You you have a lot of uh, people in like Baptist denominations and such 
uh, in modern America who've been baptized many times. You know, uh, the, every time they, they have a conversion, you know, they're, they're baptized again, baptized again. Uh, you know, well, then they have things that are totally unbiblical, walking the aisle and uh, things like that. But it's a physical physical uh, sign where I think even, uh, who is the, uh, the Simon, the, the, the sorcerer, uh, magician. Yeah, he, 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 he was baptized, he right? Was and baptized. P- Peter warns, if you don't repent, you're, yeah. you're, trying to, you're trying to sell the Holy Spirit, you know, some, uh, some yeah. wheeler and dealer and such. Uh, if you don't repent, uh, that's it. You're, you're done. You're, you're in trouble. Uh, you, you better turn from your evil and wicked, uh, wicked ways. Uh, in uh, Peter, in uh, first, first Peter uh, chap, chapter, uh, chapter three, uh, talks about uh, like uh, Noah and the eight coming through the, the flood. Uh, he says that uh, that baptism uh, is now basically kind of a pattern uh, of this, or kind of type anti-type and such. Uh, but it's a, it's a type of this, uh, and saying that uh, that uh, you're now saved through baptism. Now, it's very important to read what follows immediately next because he elaborates what, what that means. A baptism now saves you, not as the washing of dirt from uh, the body. It's not the physical act and physical outward washing of dirt, but as an appeal to God for a clean conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's an act of faith saying, uh, in, in the simple uh, act of expression of faith and appeal to God for a clean conscience through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, oh God, uh, please wash me of all of my sins and unbelief and rebellion. Uh, and so uh, it, it's just an, it's an outward expression of inward faith uh, in the dying with Christ and being uh, being raised with him. And so, you know, that, that'd be an application that baptism, it's, it's not something to be, uh, to be taken lightly. I mean, uh, Christ commanded, uh, make disciples, you know, go make disciples of all the nations. And what's that look like? What's that involve? Uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I've commanded you. Uh, and behold, I'm with you until the end of the age. He's present with his people. Uh, and that's, that's a theme throughout, you know, as, as Yahweh, as, as their, uh, the God-man and the, their Lord and, and God. Uh, and the people who took lightly his, his words and they'd say, Lord, Lord, did we not, uh, did we not uh, cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles and, and all these things? I never knew you. Depart from you, you workers of, of uh, wickedness. Uh, it's the man who builds his house on, on the rock, on the foundation of Christ's word, who's a true believer, you know, by, by, the, uh, by the spirit. Um, and so to, to reject and treat, treat lightly bapt, baptism, uh, the, the sign of the covenant is something, well, you know, that's, that's an important, you know, I, I don't want to do that. I don't, don't want to obey 
obey Christ, you know, that, that could be a sign of, of, uh, of what well, would be. It would be, it'd be unbelief. So, and so, uh, bridegroom uh, of blood, uh, she called on because of the circumcision. Uh, verse 27, and now, it's important that before, God gave provision uh, to, uh, to Moses and promises uh, in that he'd give him Aaron and that Aaron would receive him. <laughs> he'd, he'd receive him gladly and that the people would receive and believe uh, his word. Unlike Moses right at the center here uh, that uh, Zipporah has to make, make atonement for. Uh, which shows also that God didn't choose Moses because of the greatness of Moses. Moses, he was a sinner. Uh, he was a believer, and, and you'll see he'll, he'll grow in his faith over time, but he was a sinner, and you, you see him uh, stumble uh, along, the, uh, along the, the way. And so uh, it shows that ultimately it's God who has to bring these things uh, about. And he even gave him this, this wife, uh, which will be important for uh, as we look at Moses' judge and such, and uh, Lord willing, next, next time. Uh, we'll, we'll see more themes with uh, Jethro, Reuel, and Zipporah, and the even uh, a, a cruel, harsh, bitter racism of Miriam and Aaron against Zipporah. But we, we, we start seeing signs here that Zipporah and we'll see that Jethro, Reuel, will come to faith in, in Yahweh. Uh, they'll they'll become, uh, become believers. And uh, they're, they become sharers and partakers in the blessings and promises. So that's, that's important here as well. But with God's promise, Aaron and the people are going to receive Moses, uh, unlike uh, Moses. Uh, Moses was really reluctant toward, toward God. So verse 27, Yahweh said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him as a greeting. And Moses told Aaron all the words of Yahweh with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that Yahweh had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they, had, and when they heard that Yahweh had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. Wow. So they prostrated themselves and bowed down before God for all his promises. Yeah, Keeper. yeah. Lectures, so it's called about visitation. Yeah, yep. And whenever there's a visitation, there's either salvation or judgment. Yeah. Or both. Yeah. In this case, they believed. Yeah. They worshiped. Yeah. There was salvation. And would that they always <laughs> responded this this way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, do you think, okay, it says that they believed, mm -hmm. but isn't this the same group of people that the Lord said could not go in because of their complaining and their grumbling? Besides Joshua and Caleb? Right. So was, was there belief here, a salvific belief, do you believe? Or well, that, that's where we're going. That's where we're going to see that, I think very much in the New Testament, 
you'll see that there were uh, Joshua and Caleb. God preserved them. They had a different spirit from the other 10 spies. Uh, they were part of the, the 12 who went, went out. And the others gave a bad report. They gave a good report. Uh, and they were, others were false witnesses, so God killed them uh, and struck them, struck them down right then and there. Uh, but we're like in the, the New Testament. Uh, think of even the, the soils. Uh, there's the, the word or the seed that's uh, scattered uh, on the, the path. And Satan comes along and takes the word and people don't even hear, hear and understand uh, understand it. And then you have uh, the uh, soil where the word is on rocky ground or, or maybe not having depth of, of soil. And so uh, rock and, and maybe like a high, high uh, uh, bedrock and, and not much uh, top, top soil. And uh, initially, it, it springs up. You know, it looks, looks, uh, looks lively. Now, to those in agriculture in those times, They'd notice sprung up faster than everything else. Oh, it's because it doesn't have anywhere to go down, but only only up. Uh, but then, uh, but then the uh, the sun scorches it because it doesn't have depth of soil. It doesn't have a deep root system to to get uh, to get water, uh, and that's like uh, like people who just enduring uh, when hardship. Or any persecution uh, comes because uh, because of Christ, uh, because of His His Word and His Gospel. Uh, they're they're gone. Yeah. Well, I would at, at the least. Yeah. Remember the last time mm-hmm. it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Moses fled. Yeah. At least. And he had forty years as a sojourner. Yeah. Now they're receiving Moses there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just as God said he would. That he came. Yeah. So it's a better outcome Yeah. this time. Uh, but, and I didn't mean to go on too much, but, but then you have the, uh, the soil among the weeds, uh, the, the cares, the pleasures of this life take away from the word. You know, uh, they, uh, they went out from us because they weren't of us. Uh, but it's, it's those... Uh, that uh, the the word that falls on the good soil are those who, by the Spirit, they they hear the word, they understand, they believe, and they bear fruit in patient endurance. And so, those who, by the Spirit, God has worked, given them a circumcised heart that's responsive to God, and He'll preserve and keep them. Those who continue in the faith uh, until. Uh, until the end, and you you do have you have believers like Moses who couldn't enter in the promised land, be ultimately be in the kingdom. But the people will start to see that uh, you, you'll see you'll see worship, but you also start to see some some grumbling and crying out, uh, uh, not trusting in God when persecution comes upon them because of Pharaoh. And at first, you might be like, well. They haven't seen all of God's signs and miracles yet. Uh, they and, and they're under this great duress. Uh, and so, you know, God doesn't even address that, but sends Moses to Pharaoh to deliver them. Uh, but then, as they see more and more signs, uh, even before he drowns them in the waters, 
and the Egyptians start coming out after them, as God said to Moses they would, and he'd destroy them and deliver, deliver them. They say, weren't there graves in Egypt that you brought us out into this wilderness to kill us? God doesn't address it. He delivers them. But then going into the wilderness, now they start complaining and grumbling about uh, the, the bread. We, we don't have bread and meat to eat. Uh, we don't have water. Uh, they start breaking the, the Sabbath and, and grumbling and complaining. Uh, Moses says they're about to, to stone me. Uh, later they, they will uh, after uh, in numbers, after their year at Sinai. And so as the signs multiply over time, uh, the signs that they see, you're going to gradually see that uh, that uh, this, is an, this is not a people, by and large, with circumcised hearts. Uh, they're not uh, true believers. Uh, and as God's signs multiply, we're going to see that their unbelief becomes more and more pronounced uh, until... He says, they've disobeyed me these 10 times with the the spies uh, and that they shall not enter into the good land that I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, But Caleb, he had a different spirit. He'll enter. I'll appoint Joshua. He'll take them in. Uh, Their sons and daughters whom they said would be a prey in the land, I'll appoint Joshua. He'll He'll take them in. And so... I think what we see initially, you have to keep, keep reading to see if it's a true, a true spirit rot, uh, enduring, enduring faith. But we'll see it's a disobedient and evil generation uh, by and large. And so uh, they bowed their heads and worshipped. And now I just want to go to Joshua... See, I think it's about chapter 5. Let's see here. Yep, Joshua chapter 5. This is going to echo back all the way to these initial uh, events. And so 40 years have passed uh, in the wilderness. And now, instead of 400 years, it's 470 years they're going to go into the land. And, and probably uh, using like 70 is like that in the fullness, in God's timing and providence, he's, he's bringing them in. Uh, and right in time also for the first of the year and the, uh, the Passover uh, to celebrate the, uh, the, the Passover, looking all the way back to the Exodus 40 years uh, be, before this. And so this is the second generation that Moses uh, encouraged Joshua and Caleb and the people to, uh, to enter. So verse 1. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were uh, by the sea heard that Yahweh had dried up the waters of the Jordan For the people of Israel, until they had crossed over, their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. Uh, So crossing from east to west, 
over the Jordan as on dry land, very much like the exodus across the, uh, the, the sea. God bringing them out of Egyptian captivity and uh, slavery and servitude in deliverance, and now bringing them into uh, the promised uh, land to be his treasured uh, possession. So their, their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. At that time, Yahweh said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeoth Ha'arlot. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. By the way, that's an attention getter. Usually words like this point back to something. But when there's nothing backwards, it points forwards to highlight what follows. It's important. Uh, And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. So we're, we're waiting for the, instead of just giving us the reason, all right, let us have it. What's, what's the reason? All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all of the people who came out of Egypt had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of Yahweh. Yahweh swore to them that he would not let them see the land that Yahweh had sworn to their fathers to give to us a land flowing with milk and honey. So, It was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. Uh, Repeats it again and again and again uh, to to get the point. I think he layers like sevens and such to, uh, to, to nail it home. They weren't circumcised on the way. The people who came out of Egypt... The adult males were circumcised, but those born on the way, uh, they weren't. Uh, And so, uh, verse uh, 8, when the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, uh, they remained in their places in the camp until uh, they were healed. And Yahweh said to Joshua, today I have rolled away uh, the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is Gilgal, having to do with like rolling Uh, as I recall uh, to this day Uh, and so uh, in their 40 years in the wilderness in the disobedience and unbelief of the peoples they did not circumcise their sons and their daughters Uh, and so practically everyone uh, of the, the first generation was uncircumcised entering into the land uh, because of their unbelief and rejection of God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his promises. Uh, they basically died, well, as an offspring of 
of evildoers, as, as sons of disobedience. Uh, they're just like the wayward nations. They're, they were just like the Egyptians whom God judged and brought plagues upon. And he said, if, if they believe his word and fear him and, and obey him, he wouldn't bring the plagues upon them. But they, they rejected uh, his word. And so this draws all the way, all the way back uh, to uh, the beginning of Exodus. Zipporah made atonement for, for Moses and Gershom uh, was circumcised. Unlike uh, uh, overwhelmingly, the sons and daughters of those who died in the wilderness uh, weren't. And so God rolled away the reproach of, uh, of Egypt from you. Uh, and then uh, verse 10, while the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, uh, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening of the plains of Jericho. Uh, and the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain, uh, and the, obeying the Feast of Unleavened Bread for, for seven days, and the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. He provided for them exactly those 40, uh, 40 years in the time in the wilderness. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year that God promised to them that they'd enjoy uh, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their offspring after them. Uh, good, good land flowing with milk and honey and uh, pomegranates and figs and olives and uh, all sorts of good things. As you guys were talking about earlier, saw up in Galilee. Uh, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Now, what's the expectation there? One or the other. Okay, you got, you got this disjunct. Either or. You're either for us or you're for our enemies or, or for our adversaries. Which is it? Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no. Hebrew, low. <laughs> no. But I am the commander of the army of Yahweh. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of Yahweh's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Again, back to Moses commissioning, commissioning and then going to the people in the circumcision, now going into to the land, uh, the fulfillment of the exodus, uh, breaking them in, remembering with the Passover, circumcision, uh, the covenants to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and at, at Sinai, he's raised up a believing uh, generation to, to preserve his promises, to, to bring, them, uh, bring them in. Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit, and that wasn't about them. <laughs> it wasn't talking about something in them. It was God's spirit. God put his spirit on Joshua uh, as it was upon, upon Moses. Uh, and That's quite remarkable, too. I was talking with uh, Eric and he's even brought up in his uh, sermon looking at like Zechariah that Joshua the high priest in Zechariah's time had a priest in heaven, the angel of Yahweh. His, his, his envoy, who is Yahweh, who is God, uh, is, is himself God. 
worship. Yeah, and and here Moses Moses was the greatest of all the prophets, and yet and yet he answered to the angel of Yahweh, and anyone who will not listen to him, I will require it of him. He spoke with him. It's it's Yahweh visible who spoke before him, uh, who is the eternal son, uh, the the pre-incarnate Christ. uh, And so even in uh, the day of Torah, he was the ultimate judge who went through and destroyed on the Passover all the Egyptians, all the firstborn, Pharaoh. He's the one who brought them over, uh, over the waters and delivered them. Pillar of cloud and fire by day, and the angel of Yahweh uh, was was with them, and my name is in him. Anyone who does not listen to him, it shall be required of him. And so you even see him as judge, king, priest, and prophet, ultimate spokesman of God in, in the Torah. And so uh, that's, uh, that's stunning, and that's why themes salvation is of Yahweh, uh, we can't forget sometimes people look for uh, Christ in the Old Testament and sometimes get a little too clever with texts, He's Yahweh. He's the angel of Yahweh. He's, uh, he's Yahweh. You recognize that. And uh, uh, the New Testament authors really did. And so uh, see that here echoing all the way back. And so I just wanted to show you how some of these things fit, fit together with uh, now Joshua's uh, spokesman, spokesman of God uh, in servant, but, but under, under Yahweh, under his, his commander of uh, uh, is Yahweh Yahweh of hosts of the of the heavenly multitude and uh, the uh, the the angelic host uh, that uh, that you see like in Daniel and God opened the eyes of uh, uh, Elijah to uh, to see that he wasn't wasn't alone. So let's just uh, close in prayer uh, and I just also wanted to note that next week uh, we have uh, there's going to be service for Good Friday on the 25th. So on the 23rd, uh, we will not have class, but on the 30th of the next week, so not next week, but in two weeks, uh, we'll, have, uh, we'll have class. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Uh, thank you just for how powerful and wise and uh, glorious your word is and Thank you for all your faithfulness and goodness, and uh, thank you for uh, for your servant Moses. Uh, although uh, he's he was a sinner, uh, just just like us, uh, but he was a believer, uh, and uh, he grew in faith and trusted in in you. And uh, we thank you that you make atonement for for our sins, and that. In, in your son uh, that you make a, have made a once for all perfect sacrifice uh, that cleanses us from all of our sin and, and iniquity uh, before you and so that uh, by, by our high priest that we can uh, come before you and uh, you forgive us and uh, we can approach you in boldness and confidence uh, in in him and uh, we thank you for for all of these things and uh, we pray that uh, that you would be glorified and that uh, your name would uh, be proclaimed and known throughout 
all the earth and that uh, by, by your spirit that uh, we would uh, believe and trust and uh, hope, hope in you and in your son. And we pray in his name. Amen.